Hello, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Marisa. I'm Ariana. And we're the Crowmeister Sisters. As a reminder, this podcast is rated T for teen for strong language and mature themes. If you don't want those things, well, tough, because it's the second show, so I think I usually end up saying tough or something to that extent on the second show every night. But, you know, you could always <laughs> head on over to her very own podcast, Unlocked, where they talk to people about things. And stuff. So much stuff. Probably. So what are we going to talk about today, sister? <laughs> well, today, despite our lighthearted beginning, I, I legitimately forgot what we were going to talk about. <laughs> despite our lighthearted beginning, um, we would like to uh, take a moment and uh, have a brief examination of grief in the games. So, yeah, this topic is a little... Um, if you think dark? we're not if you think we're not going to be silly on a dark topic like this though, you have another thing coming. Yeah, exactly. You haven't been paying attention. Uh, we're not going to talk about every single game because not every single game really touches on the topic of grief, but it's one of those things where when you are playing the games, a good amount of them are based around um, a character's grief. Um, and how they process it, if they process it well, if they process it poorly. Uh, it really, uh, it, it's it's a huge thing in the Nancy Drew games. Specifically just because we think, we think, we're not, you know, we're not fancy, uh, like, experts on this. Yeah. Um, uh, but Nancy's whole backstory of being someone whose mother died at a young age. In the original books, she was mm-hmm. three yeah. In, like, rewrites of books, she was 10. It really depends on which book you're reading. Yeah. <laughs> but either way, her mother died when she was a child. Um, and so pretty much everything she does in her life is then impacted by that fact. Um, that's because that's how grief works. Grief never is just, like, done. It comes in waves and cycles. Yeah. So I think that has an impact on the games and the stories um, in general. And how Nancy relates to the people in these games. Because we're going to specifically talk about the games. Mm-hmm. It would take way too long to also talk about all of the books. <laughs> so we're going to go yeah. with the games. Okay. So we wanted to start with uh, the final scene. We'll just do this in, which... in chronological order. <laughs> yeah, because that's how I wrote it down. Because that's how Risa processes things. It is. <laughs> No, yeah, uh, final scene is really for a, for a, for a silly game. <laughs> um, the grief of of our pre- our antagonist Joseph. Spoiler, sorry. <laughs> um, no, but Joseph, um, his entire motivation is his grief and his complete inability to accept it. He's his his grief is threefold. There's the loss of his brother, who he insists he's go- going to go live with, which breaks my fucking heart every Joseph, goddamn you make time. Us so sad. <laughs> then he, the loss of his theater, which has been his entire life. It is th- what's left of his family, and the loss of his independence as his age and mental condition um, just start to deteriorate yeah it's just he he just he's a broken man yeah and he it's one of those times of like 
we see that his coping with his grief is done in unhealthy coping mm-hmm. mechanisms, which is denial in his case. Yeah. He's just straight in denial. He denies that his brother's dead. He denies that anything's going wrong with the theater or anything like that. So right down at at the 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 line. He comes yeah. in as saying, "Oh, you know what? This place needs a fresh coat of paint." And it's like, "Uh-oh." <laughs> yeah. So it's definitely a way that people cope with grief, um, and it's definitely an unhealthy way. And I think that's part of what makes the character as an antagonist Mm -hmm. just more complex when there's that added level in there. Um, Yeah. I really hate seeing him in handcuffs in the end. I know. It's It's so sad. Because they should be (laughs) taking him to, like... An assisted care place. They should. They should be. I hope he gets the care he needs. I really genuinely do. But yeah. poor man just wasn't equipped to deal with all that loss at the same time, especially. Yeah. Yeah. I think the next game that really had major tones of grief uh, as, like, key key, uh, story elements was uh, Haunted Carousel. Uh, With the, one of the main, I guess it's the B-plot, right? Joy is the B plot. I guess technically, which is funny because the A plot is trying to. (laughs) The A plot is trying to find the carousel horse, and the B plot is Joy's entire thing. And Joy is such an interesting character. I hate interacting with her because she's very grating and reminds us of someone we knew as a child. (laughs) Um, A child. We were one child. We were a single child. This is a fact. I mean, we were. We kind of were. Ariana and Risa. Ariana and Risa. <laughs> the Crowmaster sisters. Um, <laughs> but replace that with our actual last right. name. Right. Um, the Crowmeisters. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Ariana Crowmeister. Um, sorry. <laughs> uh, but um, Joy. That now. <laughs> her entire character is based around this grief, like. Her mother died when she was a child, and she did not... The You can really see the contrast between how Nancy dealt with her mom's death and how Joy dealt with hers or didn't deal. And that's the whole thing, is Joy, as a child, never processed her grief. And when her dad died, he left her this whole scavenger hunt as, in my opinion, it, it was a way... It was a coping mechanism. He left her this so she could actually finally process some of the grief that she'd been experiencing. And it's something that he couldn't do when he was alive because he didn't know how. He didn't have the tools. Mm-hmm. But he left her these this entire, like, puzzle hunt to try to help her process it all. Um, I mean, and in pretty healthy coping mechanisms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. More, more than just <clears throat> I'm setting fire to all of the pictures of my mother because I'm mad at her for dying. Woof. Uh, which that is, it's a, being angry at the person who died is a, is definitely a stage of grief. It It is is. uh, something that you go through sometimes multiple times you get mad at that person. Um, so it makes sense, but at the same time, how she dealt with it was obviously not a healthy way. And in this whole, this whole B plot of the game is spent trying to help Joy cope. Mm Mm-hmm. Which is nice. I think I think it's really interesting because it is sort of like there, but for the grace of 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 uh, of 
of Carson goes Nancy. Because, yeah, like, he just so, she just so happened to have a father who could um, be there for her. Yeah. In at least enough of a capacity to speak to her about her mom, even if they don't do it a lot. But yeah. I get the feeling that Joy's dad was really, really awkward. Yeah. He just didn't know. He just didn't have those how. tools. Like you were. Yeah. 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 Uh, Secret of Shadow Ranch is very interesting. In the A plot, there's like nothing going on. But in the B plot, <laughs> again, we see Francis and her dad both dealing with grief in their own way. Yeah. Um, because Francis is obviously dealing with the grief over losing Dirk. And how she deals with that is to just cut everyone off. <laughs> Sorry, side note. R, am I the asshole? I, eight female, set fire to all the pictures of my mom, 30 female, because she died. Am I the asshole? (laughs) Uh, Thank you for that. But Frances just, she just starts, she cuts herself off um, and starts a new life. Hmm. Because that's pretty much her best way of coping. It is the, I just don't want to look back because it, it hurts me too. Yeah. Um... Whereas Meryl, uh, Francis's dad, he's dealing with the grief of them losing his daughter. She didn't die. She just left. Um, and that's something that you... It, it, grieving is not just about death. No. Grieving is about you can grieve lost possibilities. You can grieve mm-hmm. all sorts of things. Um, and Meryl does not do well. He's in denial when he does it. She's gonna come back. She's gonna come back. And then we see in his, like, last journal entry, he knows. Yeah. And it is heartbreaking. Really is. That is down your drink heartbreaking. A little bit. You know, seeing all the tears on his journal page, it's just like... (laughs) Oof. But yeah, so Shadow Ranch. They, they take they take like two. It's really it's really interesting to watch because like they take two opposite like ways of dealing with it. Where Francis is like, okay, moving forward, fuck that shit, yeah. we're leaving it behind, and, and Meryl's like, no, I have to keep everything the same, you know? Yeah, because this is where I was happy, and it's like, oof, oof, yeah, yeah. So, Curse of Blackmore Manor. Um, Curse of Blackmore Manor is a very interesting look at grief because Jane's entire character, what, why she is the antagonist, is basically her poorly grieving over her parents' marriage. Yeah. Uh, she's doing it in a very unhealthy way of, well, obviously these things are just in the way, and if I can move these things, then this can go back to normal. And that's, it's not how it works. And it just means that she hasn't been given the tools to properly cope with this. And it means that probably he just doesn't, Hugh, is that his name? Mm Mm-hmm. Hugh. Hugh probably just doesn't even talk to her about it, you know? Well, he's never there. That is the thing. She can't process it if they're never, basically, she was having trouble processing it, but when... I mean, they were both away from her, so she was just like, oh, they're just both not here. So she didn't have to think about the part where they weren't together either. 
Uh, so it was just like, mm, they're not there. They're not here. I, I, and then suddenly in comes Linda, who is a constant reminder that her not only are her parents not with her, they're not even with each other. So yeah. it's it, you know they're not even off having mommy daddy time. They're just you know off having their own separate time as individuals, and I'm left here alone with a stranger. Yeah. And that poor fucking kid, man. <laughs> yeah. And at the same time, she's just being fed all of these self-aggrandizing things of the pendulums are special. and Yeah, that is. And you wonder why she turns to poisoning her. Not the best fostering environment. <laughs> no. So. And that's how cults form. That is how cults form. <laughs> Around children. Yeah. Generally. Generally, yeah. So, Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Secret of the Old Clock is also interesting in the way that um, everyone in the game is mourning Josiah, other than Emily, because, not Emily, Jane. Jane doesn't matter, (laughs) because she's not real. Um, (laughs) She's not real. Fuck Melton Jane Joan Kuzak. No. Everyone else is, like, they're from there. They're mourning Crowley in their own way. Josiah Crowley, yes, that yes, is his last you're name. you're right, yes. They're all mourning him in their own way. But then on top of that, Emily has to deal with mourning her mother as well. Yeah. Um, which is just, you know. And might I add, somebody taking advantage of her already weakened, like, yeah. emotional state. Yeah, and I mean, it's a huge, <laughs> it's, um. Bitch. The, the she's being faced with she's not only lost her close family friend mm-hmm. she's also lost her mother and now she's being faced with the idea of losing her the inn which is her only income source it is her home it is just her life the last the last piece of her mother exactly uh same with the jewels which then get stolen and then repl- whatever but she It's interesting seeing her and how she is dealing with it. And Nancy just comes in and is just like, well, I lost my mom too. And this is the first time, really, that you see this kind of juxtaposition. She does it a little bit with Joy, but not so much. Mm -hmm. But it's not the last time we see it either of, well, I lost my mom. So, like, (laughs) I know what you're feeling. And it's like, you don't know what she's feeling. It's not the same thing, because you guys had different circumstances, and it's all very different, but mm-hmm. it, it definitely, in my opinion, has an effect on the, like, how Nancy deals with the situation. Yeah. Yeah. She does... It is interesting. Uh, she, uh, the, there is a certain lack of empathy for Emily that's oh, yeah. there. Like... Which is interesting. She she really does sort of feel like, hey, come on. My mom died and I'm fine. It's like, yeah, your mom died I mean, like 10 years ago, man. Exactly. Like, you've had time. <laughs> That's the thing is that like, I feel like that is how Nancy interacts with a lot of the people who are still grieving. Um, it just kind of goes in, well, I did it and I'm fine. So you kind of also need to just get over it. Um, like there's, there's that insensitivity that goes Mm -hmm. with it, which, you know, 
fair enough, I understand to an extent, mm-hmm. right? But at the same time, it's like, Nancy. <laughs> Nancy tacked Drew, you know? Yeah. It's always been her weak point, you know? <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. <sighs> Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so, yeah, last train to Blue Moon Canyon. That is, wow. That is pining. Yeah. How Jake Hurley deals with the loss of Camille is beautiful. Because here... Uh, he, it's he, not that he dwells on it. Is no. something he He makes something out of it. It's because he doesn't just mourn her life. He mourns the loss of her love in his life. And so rather than let it go in the grieving process, he wanted to focus it and have that love present. And it is glorious. Yeah, it's it's beautiful and it makes me cry every time. <laughs> and we're both like tearing up just because I just love... I love how they they talk about his grief in that mm-hmm. game. Um, and they're like, ooh, it was weird that he was taking her body. But, like, that was just because, like... Yeah, that was... It's, it's one of those things of just, like... Probably just because he couldn't get somewhere to take her body. Yeah. Not, like, at, the at mor- time, morbidity it... of just taking her body with yeah. them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He wanted but, to get her to the right place to, to put exactly. her body in. Yeah. That could so, take a while at the time. <laughs> it's true. So just the fact that he, in his entire, he included her and aspects of her personality and stuff in all of his puzzles is just, I love that. That he yeah. included her dolls, that he included her favorite dance steps the song she used to play on yeah. the piano, all of it. It's just, that's, that's a way of, of grieving, you know, that doesn't just, it, it doesn't dwell. It doesn't just it look like sadness. It also yeah. looks like celebration. Exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> Last Train to Blue Moon Canyon. Creature of Kapu Cave, though, is a weird one. <laughs> So I put this in because when you have Nancy talking to Pua about like their mom died, right? <laughs> There's this uh-huh. like, it's just kind of weird because Pua doesn't seem to have grieved at all for her mother. No. Yeah. <laughs> Pua is pretty much like, yeah, my mom died, but we were better off for it. Like that's <laughs> fucked. <laughs> that's um, woof. That is somebody it's, who who uh, that that's a, that that's a sociopath, y'all. I mean, uh, that's all I'm it's saying. Just, I mean, don't. It, it's just weird, but it's just very interesting because Nancy has basically made her dead mom part of her entire, um, like. It, it's her identity in a way. Uh, yeah, she's the no, girl 100%. with the dead mom. Mm-hmm. Um, like that's just kind of. Yeah, but Pua is then just not dealing with it at all in the way of, yeah, it, it, she's dead and we've moved on and life goes on. Mm-hmm. 
And that's that's interesting uh, because it could just be the way that she's telling it now, but it also is just kind of, you know. She just decided to focus on something else, I think. You know, she was just like, okay, well, I'm, I'm just going to put everything into surfing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. She's just like, okay, I'm just going to surf. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a very interesting... But also, I just don't think the writing is very good in that it's game. It's just a I bad, that's bad game. Thing. It's a bad game. It's just... It's very poorly written. Um, but still. I would, it's, however, it's like to bring up the, the sort of... Um, Gently touched upon the um, what's his name? Craven is that his name? Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, is uh, actually through th- through that game is kind of grieving not being able to um, have a relationship with his niece anymore. Yeah, so there is that. Although we can all kind of see maybe why he doesn't have a relationship with his niece anymore, but at the same time, yeah, it's a weird fucking game, guys. It's so weird. That game is just poorly written. <laughs> I don't know who I'm supposed to care about anymore. (laughs) We we can't do too much of an in-depth reading of a game that is just so poorly written. (laughs) There's no depth to it. No. And that's why I think that Pua killed her mother. Yeah, man. (laughs) Okay. Legend of the Crystal Skull, though, is... That is... There is some grief going on there. I think... Because we're seeing... That is a gothic hell fucking game. Yeah, we're seeing how grief. everyone is is grieving Bruno, um, Doctor Bolay, but in <laughs> particular, it's Henry to me is the is the part that like is so interesting about it because he's grieving like not only the loss of his uncle, mm-hmm. he's also grieving because his family, his parents were already dead, so now he's grieving for the last bit of family he had left. And in a way, he's grieving over Bruno as a person and Bruno as his last family member. So then as the game is going, he's trying to brush it off as, well, I didn't, he didn't like me anyway. But after we go through and we're seeing how much care Bruno put into all of those puzzles for Henry, that Henry was supposed to be solving all of this. And we show Henry just how much Bruno cared and so now Henry has to grieve all over again about this person that he thought he knew, but did at, in fact care about him. And so now he's lost him before he, they were ever able to talk about that. Yeah. And it's so sad. <laughs> and that's why Henry is just off crying in the graveyard. <sighs> That but poor kid. Then, give him a moment, yeah. you guys. Just give him a fucking moment to cry. <laughs> but we also see Henry coping in poor ways, mm-hmm. uh, especially in fine. You know, if you are someone who's struck with grief, sometimes you find relationships that aren't healthy, and that's one of the things that happens. Um, he needed somebody f- to tell him what to do so that yeah. he didn't have to make those choices, have those thoughts. He could just concentrate on keeping her happy, you know. Exactly. So, it's, yeah, it's real sad. It's rough. It's real rough, buddy. But... <laughs> <laughs> Poor dude, man. <laughs> 
God, talk about things that's full of grief. If we went into everything from Avatar The Last Airbender about grief, God, I could go on for hours. Welcome to my TED Talk. Right. Examination of grief as presented in children's media. Oh my God. Okay, I'm going back to grad. I'm going to grad school, Ariana. (laughs) Sounds good. Mm. Okay. Uh, So, warning at Waverly Academy. Talk about, talk about real, real grief, just brewing more grief. Um, Rachel and Kim, our uh, uh, twins who pretend to be a single person. Okay. (laughs) Rachel and Kim go to boarding school because their mother died and their father didn't know how to raise two girls alone. And apparently he made it so known to them that they took it upon themselves to remove themselves from their home environment so that he wasn't inconvenienced but trying to raise them. Just reiterating. To give up their own individual futures and identities in order to attend Waverly Academy as one person. And so they are at the same time as having to grieve the loss of their mother and the just removal of their father from their lives. They are also grieving their own future that they've kind of sabotaged in a way by pretending to be one person. Yeah. Cause it's like, well, you you can't have that because that would blow your cover and you can't have that because <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's, it's a story of two girls who have not been given the, the, the tools to succeed in life Yeah. In after having a loss like that. So really, the real antagonist of Warning Waverly Academy is their father. <laughs> I feel like that... He honestly feels like the father in Hansel and Gretel. Just <laughs> leaving him in the woods. Just gonna go leave him in the woods. You guys just... If you make it back, it was meant to be. But if you die out here at the hands of a witch, you were never mine to begin with. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Um, a lot of oof. ill-equipped fathers on, on in, yes. in, the, in the Nancy Drew games. I'm not... <sighs> also, just lots of dead mothers. It, they, a lot of it's dead got, moms. It's got Disney disease, you know? Mm-hmm. They've all got dead anime moms. mom disease. They just die. <laughs> they just die. They're all just dead. Uh, Trail of the Twister. I I don't have much to say, but God, pa, pa. It it's and that one is interesting. That representation of grief purely because we don't actually examine the grief so much as exploit it. It's so For uncomfortable. It is very uncomfortable. Basically, it, it's a joke in it that is, game. It is. It's portrayed as a joke. His grief over Ma is, it's like, <laughs> this old man can't cope with the loss of his, the love of his life. <laughs> <laughs> what a fucking pussy. It's not good. It's not great. It's, it's, it's just bad. Another reason why that's a very bad game. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Go, harken, harken back to last week's episode. 
Exactly. <laughs> Oof. But yeah. Now, getting into a, a real... Grief fest. Grief fest of a game. <laughs> Shadow at the Water's Edge. Um, the primary... The main premise, really, the 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 driving force. There we go. Behind it all is is these three women, two, just all dealing with the the, the loss of the same person in their like different ways. Yeah, because there's like Miwako who just sort of stops growing in a way. Yeah. She 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 does still actually find find like happiness in being in her safety of the Ryokan, but she's yeah. definitely uh stunted. Yeah. And then Yumi isn't isn't exactly more <laughs> less stunted, but just stunted in different ways. <laughs> so she she, you know, she decided to to embrace it and be bold with it and 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 just push through it, but they're still both not dealing with it. And then there's Takei, who cannot deal with it in the slightest. She shuts down. Yeah. There's a certain amount of denial going on. Um, Not in the actual death, but for what it means. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's it's heartbreaking, Mm -hmm. especially when she's then blaming herself for so much of it. Yeah. And, and like, accepting of, well, she's haunting us now. <laughs> she's haunting us now. It's uh, And it's my fault. <laughs> like, like, that's basically... Like, Jesus Christ. And we can't, we can't forget... That's how guilty she felt, too. It's, yeah. Yeah. We can't forget Rentero's grief in this, though, because mm-hmm. that is why he is doing what he's doing. Yeah. Um, he... He talks about how Kasumi was like a, a mother to him. He felt he was part of the family. He lost her too. Mm-hmm. And his way of dealing with it was shutting down and completely just, I'm moving on from this. I think, and I think it honestly largely influenced his... <sighs> Kasumi, like, embraced him. Yeah. You know, like he 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 always had like a kind of a, a meh little rivalry with 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 Yumi, but they got along <laughs> enough. And yeah. Takai was kind of like didn't really give a shit that he was there. She's just like, oh, yeah. that's back. Um, <laughs> so like he really felt like he 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 had Kasumi and Miwako in his corner, and yeah. so then Kasumi's gone, and basically that's why he attached to Miwako so much is he he was just like. No, this is my tether to this family, you know? Yeah. And, and I think it came out in an unhealthy way. So Yeah. And he thinks that he's dealt with the grief properly is the yeah. whole thing. And that's why he's doing he's like, Well, this worked for me. I got out, I came back and I'm feeling better, basically. So that's what Miwako needs to do too. Yeah. And that's not you can't dictate how someone else copes with their grief. How someone else processes it. And he is that's why it's so fucked up what he's doing yeah. because he's trying to dictate to her how she should be feeling about the entire thing mm-hmm. and how she should be processing it and saying, well, he knows what's best for her. If she would just get out of there, she'd feel better. And it's just, 
super fucked up. <laughs> super fucked up. <laughs> yeah. That 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 game is honestly one of the best in terms of, of just examinations of grief. It's 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 the top two. Yep. We haven't gotten to the other one yet. <laughs> um, well, because they're written by the same person, so they are. Apparently. I mean, you can really tell uh, during the the Nick era, mm-hmm. you get a lot of examinations of grief. Yeah, for um, real. Like, I hmm, like with Captive Curse, which is the next one. Just Renata's whole Oof. how she's processed the grief of her sister and the way that it has affected her and her growth and also the way that she likes to part of why she became a storyteller other than knowing that her father had been one and loved that is that she also is doing it to keep her sister's just like story going if she continues to tell it she's not really gone yeah well, <laughs> and that, and that is that now. is the worst part, not only did she lose her sister, she lost her y- so young. And so to look back at that at her age, especially, is is heartbreaking. And the fact that they didn't have a body. They, yeah. they never got any confirmation of what happened to her. And so I think part of, of Renata was also she was kind of having a fairy tale in her head. She could give her her sister an ending, or she could she could say that she was off somewhere else. You know what I mean? And so that's rough. It's so rough. <laughs> Sorry, that's just gonna be my go-to right now. It's just like, ugh, that's ow. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> um, Alibi and Ashes also dealt with grief in the way that Alexi had to. This is where we're seeing a grief that doesn't come over any other person. He's mm-hmm. grieving for the loss of his future that he had. So he had this entire future planned. He had a fiance or and he had his entire like life planned. He was going to be a detective. He was going places and it all changed by just doing, you know, getting on the wrong side of one person and suddenly his entire life just stopped. And he's had to grieve that future. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's all, all of those feelings are brought up again when he's watching it all happen to Nancy. Like he's watching her get framed for something and he's watching it all happen to her. And it's bringing up all of those emotions again. Like it's happening to him all over again. Yeah. Um, a, a loss of social standing. Like. Yeah. Especially. Especially at the age in which it happened to him. He yeah. he was just discovering his place in the world. And to have it then immediately ripped from him. And yeah. him put at the lowest of low. Was it's just... something that's very... Um, you see it a lot in people who <clears throat> are disabled. Um, mm-hmm. Who, you know, it happens like in their teens. Or in their like early 20s. A lot of my friends who have, like, uh, Lyme disease or uh, chronic fatigue, things that come on pretty suddenly, and you have to, you have this whole future planned for you, and then it suddenly just, like, you have to grieve the loss of that. 
And it's something that I, a lot of my friends, I watch them going through it even now. And it's just so incredibly rough. And I know yeah. I've, I've done it. Yeah. That's something that I've had to also grieve. And it's, it's very frustrating and it's yeah. just, it's hard. And that's part of why I love Alexi so much. It's because it's something that I can like really relate to, yeah. you know? And he's just good. He is. <laughs> Underrated character Lexi. Yeah, it's true. Uh, Deadly Device. Um, despite the fact... The thing in Deadly Device is there is a lack of grief. Um, and I think that is... Like, its absence definitely is, like, palpable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because a man has died. It's just like in Secrets Can Kill. Someone died, but no one is grieving for him. Yeah. Um, the only person in Deadly Device who's grieving at all is Gray. Yeah. Uh, and that's Ryan definitely suck. has guilt. Ryan has guilt over it, but she's mm-hmm. still not grieving Nico. She's, she's grieving the loss of an intelligent person in her field, but she doesn't grieve for him. Gray does in his own way. He does very much on a deeper level than he's willing to admit and the worst part about it is he is surrounded by this complete apathy. These people who also knew him. And so, like, while he's feeling this loss, other people aren't. And it's like, he feels like it should be there. And that's making him angrier. Yeah. Adds to the grouchiness. Yeah. Because he's hurt, and then he's angry. And it's... It's sad. <laughs> it really is. I feel for Gray so much. <laughs> I too am crotchety and just wish to be left alone. <laughs> yeah. Um, Ghost of Thornton Hall, which I feel has... You oof. cannot take two steps in that game without being bombarded by somebody's grief. Yeah. The entirety of... Like... <clears throat> It is 20 years later, right, after Charlotte died, and everyone is still, like, grappling with their grief over over her. And in so, so many different ways. Like, with Colton, you get the survivor's guilt, because he feels like he should have been able to do something, and he she's, like, such a distant memory to him at this point, that, like, it, it's just formed who he is as a person, and you have Clara with her guilt of, I didn't mean to do it, so I'm instead going to have to convince myself that I didn't. Right? Yeah. And her entire, like, persona of just, like, I care, but there's a certain amount of, I have to tell myself what should have happened, and that'll replace the actual thing that happened. And then you get Harper, who has fully, like, she's dead. I, like, she's the only one who really, well, Wade is also, like, there of she's dead. And mm-hmm. this is something that we should talk about. Yeah. Um, and with Harper, just, and one day I was older than my older sister, and today I'm older still. And I'm just, like, I'm, every single fucking time. It just it's makes horrible. me so sad. <laughs> and it's just, uh, <laughs> 
Don't mind me. I'm just crying. It's fine. But Harper just ruins lives. It's true. And then how Wade deals with it. I feel like he's the most grounded person in the game. Yeah. Especially on how he just... How he actually... Um, it just deals with it. The I think what I love about the grief in uh, Ghost of Thorn Hall is it is a study of Southern grief. Just yeah. just like how there's there's a certain level of um, cultural grief in um, Shadow at the Water's Edge. It is it's it's. It is, it's very strong in, in, in this one. Yeah. It, it's... I think especially... You either... Um, basically, you either wear your grief or you pretend that it's 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 just off in the corner. Yeah. You know? Um, I think why I like how Wade deals with it so much is that it's like... That's very much how our family deals with grief. Of mm-hmm. He's literally just standing in the cemetery. He's standing at the graves. He goes there to talk to them. Like, that's those are his family. And he yeah. he he knows them all. And he knows their stories. And he talks to them. Yeah. And it's just very, like, wholesome. <laughs> really is. Um, and it's, like, the healthiest handling of grief we see in that game. <laughs> yeah. Because everybody else... Got broke, did. Yeah. And I mean, it's not Harper's fault. She probably would have been able to deal a little better if she hadn't been taken away to a fucking mental institution. Jesus. So, you know. Like, the whole she just left and then came back, like, two weeks later. Like, she was a 15-year-old who lost her sister. (laughs) Yeah. That's a... That's a pretty like and on top understandable of that, reaction. Their lives had already been so filled yeah, with they grief. Already Both lost of their, their parents, parents died in a fucking uh, plane crash. Like yeah, yeah, and just yeah, we we we, we deal with so much death in that game. It is honestly yeah, it's a yeah. it's a beautiful game. Okay, it is. I love it. Silent Spy. Oh my god. That game is oof. We're seeing everyone grieving over Kate and how they dealt with it. Mm-hmm. And mm. <laughs> just it how they didn't really deal just, with it. How? Exactly. <laughs> they show they show Nancy and how she has never fully processed her mother's death. Yeah. Because it almost feels like Nancy has always had this idea of her mom's just still out there. <laughs> like, she jumps on a plane the moment she hears a recording of her mother's voice. It's like, girl. She just jumps on a plane to Scotland. No. So Don't that, you want to know what happened to your mother? <laughs> it's just like... Nancy, mm, girl... Sorry. Silent Spy always made me think of um, Flavia Deleuze books mm-hmm. because that entire thing, her mom had died, but they never got the body. Mm-hmm. She died like out in, the, in an accident in the mountains and Mount Flavia's, Everest. oh, really was Mount Everest? It was Mount Everest. 
I thought it was one of the Alps or something. I couldn't remember. But so Flavia just has this like idea in her head that her mom's just still out there and she'll come home one day. And it's like, that's, that, it feels like how Kate, I mean, how uh, Nancy has Mm -hmm. dealt with Kate. Like, that's what we're seeing now. Uh, And Carson is just trying to, he is channeling everything from his grief into just, I'm worried over Nancy. I don't want that same thing to happen to her. Yeah. Um, And then we see Moira with her letters to Kate after she's dead. And like... And then she also has that guilt of, I caused it, when it's like, you didn't yeah. cause it. Like, you shouldn't have told her that, but at the same time, she still chose to she, do it herself. Yeah, she made her she decision. Knew. She was a grown-ass woman. But. Everybody is filled with just, like, and everybody blames themselves in that game. They do. For literally everything. They do. <laughs> Nancy thinks it's her fault her parents were fighting. When they were clearly fighting about, like... Her, uh, Kate being a spy. Yeah. You can't keep going and doing that. Mm. It's... Mm. it's, Yeah, that game... Three people who just stopped functioning. Yeah. Because uh, Kate was too integral to their lives. Yep. So, uh, for, for time's sake, I'm going to skip ahead to Midnight in Salem. We're going to skip over Sh- Shattered Medallion. Yeah, because that is uh, stuff to deal with. But Midnight in Salem, I think, is a little more straightforward to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's the two, like, major events, right? So, Lauren is grieving over Frances Tuttle, which isn't, like, a huge thing, really. She's got yeah. it pretty much. Like, she's she's doing what she needs to do. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's harder now that she's also grieving the house that was on fire, mm-hmm. right? That was a part of Francis, and now it's gone, and that's upsetting to her. Yeah. But I think the real grief in the game is May. Yes. Over, um, the loss of her future in the way that this one event has caused, um, has caused her to be branded a bad child. Mm-hmm. She is now the arsonist. She has lost so much of what she could have been, as well as then having a physical injury like that that's permanent. There's also grief that goes into that. Mm -hmm. And she has kind of come out of this on the other side with PTSD. And we see that in her hypervigilance in the way that she... Uh, you know, she she, uh, can almost tell the future. She's She's so... psychic. She's basically psychic. Um, so it, it like, it's heartbreaking because she's somewhere between the ages of 16 and 19. Um, fucking, I don't even want to talk about that. That's what, that's what, that's why we can't concentrate too heavily on the grief in that game because that game doesn't make sense. It's too hard to focus on in general. But it is something, and oh, we did forget Sea of Darkness, um, Gunnar, about his daughter and his wife, and the way that he does not deal with that. He just doesn't deal with it. He's, he... No, yeah, there's, there's, there's Gunnar, and his, his, 
we actually have to actively walk him through any kind of grieving process, which yeah. is real rough. And um, but then there's also um, honestly Soren, D- his his future, what what he devoted yeah. himself to, and and also the loss of of any kind of community that he could have had, because everybody's decided he's not a part of the community just because they're all assholes he get he gets kicked out of grad school right yeah okay that's what i was just making sure i because i felt like i for wasn't sure but yeah Yeah. so oof big oof but yeah so a lot of a lot of grief in these games yeah and it's a, it's a very interesting thing when you look into it and you start really thinking about it. But, yeah, that's uh, that's our brief examination. Brief being, like, <laughs> fucking almost 50 minutes. Uh, brief uh, examination of Super brief. the grief in the Nancy Drew game. So if you would like to read the full text, you can. <laughs> no, but tell us what you think about um, the topic on our Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and our fancy Chrome... Or our fancy website, curlmeistersisters.knifefightclub.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, where you can leave us reviews that we promise we read. Right, sister? Yeah, we read them. For sure. Uh, yeah. No, but yeah. <laughs> seriously. Leave us reviews. Let us let us and other people know what you think. Yeah. You can also review us on Facebook. Someone did that once. That is true. So, you can do that. Or you could... I mean, you could technically review us on Twitter, but no one would see it because there's no real function for that. Uh, You can subscribe to us on Twitch to get access to our cute little wine glass emote, as well as podcast night VODs. Or you could go over on... uh, I can't speak. Or you could go support us over on Patreon at patreon.com slash sisters to get access to podcast night VODs, stream cat pictures, and you can tell us what to talk about if you pay Mm -hmm. enough money. (laughs) <laughs> Oof. so as a reminder i'm marisa i'm ariana and we're the crowmeister sisters and we're asking you guys to stay sleuthy mm-hmm.